Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your host for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to the December 2nd edition of Pause I Am Radio. I am your host Robert Brining and this evening I am flying solo. Uh, my co-host Jeremy Dunn um, is currently not able to make it this evening so oh, we are sending some prayers for him. He is a little bit under the weather so we hope that he starts to feel uh, better soon and we do miss him. Uh, for all of you tuning in for the first time, I want to thank you all for joining us this evening. Um, and remember the radio show is also a part of a larger social network that can be found by logging on to pauseim.com, that's P-O-Z-I-A-M.com. Uh, you can create a profile, meet other people living with HIV, share stories, and post discussions, and be involved in our group chat and things along that nature. Uh, there is something about the website that I wanted to bring up for our regular PauseIMers who are listening in. There are going to be some changes to the social network um, due to some financial issues that we are uh, currently Undergoing, we are going to be uh, removing actually some of the features on the site, and one of the features that will be removed is the um, music player, which a lot of people really don't use on the site, and you know it's kind of just to uh, keep up with MySpace and stuff along that. So that will actually be uh, removed from the site, and you will still be able to embed videos um, and upload videos using the URL on YouTube or on Vimeo. Um, but you won't actually be able to upload the, the videos now directly from your computer. So if you blog on POSIM and you upload your own you know, video blogs uh, through there, you would have to upload it to either Vimeo or YouTube first and then use the embed code or the URL to actually upload it onto the site. They are the only things that you will see. There will be no other big changes to the site. But like I said, uh, due to some financial difficulties that we are going under, some of those features are going to be taken away. But, again, it's not going to affect the site or, um, you know, what people are actually getting from the site. So I just wanted to make a note of that right away. Also, um, I also want to say Happy World AIDS Day, which was yesterday, December 1st. Um, It was uh, a day that we remember those living with HIV and AIDS and those that we have lost to the disease over the years. Um, I know for uh, a long time I was not involved with World AIDS Day. I didn't even know it existed until I actually came out of, uh, you know, the HIV closet and started talking about it in 2005. So uh, it's unfortunate that we do have a good idea that we have a day, but um, I was told last year there was a month in July is going to be World AIDS Month, but I really haven't um, heard it hit mainstream. Um, I was excited that I was watching actually the 76ers last night um, playing basketball against the Chicago Bulls, and I actually saw people wearing red ribbons, which was a first. Um, I was kind of surprised and um, astounded that they were actually doing something to raise awareness regarding HIV and AIDS, since it's kind of a taboo subject, um, even though it shouldn't be. Um, So I wanted to give kudos to the NBA for for setting that up as well. Uh, Tonight's guest, we're going to be speaking with uh, Justin B. Terry Smith and his husband, Philip B. Terry Smith. And they're going to be uh, speaking, uh, Justin will be speaking about living with HIV and his activism work that he does. Uh, Justin uh, B. Terry Smith has actually been on the show multiple times. He has uh, shared his story, talked about his book, I Have a Secret, talked about writing uh, his Write a Letter to HIV campaign that he did for thebody.com. Um, he's even come on and co-hosted with me for um, a couple times we had to get a fill-in for Jeremy. And also as a night of hot topics we did with Justin. So I'm excited to have him back uh, with me this evening. And his husband, Philip, will be joining us for the first time. So I'm excited uh, about that as well. Uh, They'll be talking um, about what it is like for Justin to be living with HIV and AIDS, um, what it is to be a gay couple married, and actually be foster parents and what it is like to be parents. Um, 
you know, as uh, as a gay male and as a gay male living with HIV, one of those dreams I've always had is to get married and to have kids. And Justin and Philip will be actually be able to 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 speak on that tonight. So I'm excited for this this topic and. I see we have some uh, faces in the chat room, so I want to thank you all for joining us in the chat, whether you're on the Blog Talk Radio chat or the Pos I Am Radio chat room. Um, I want to thank you for, uh, you know, hanging out with us for this hour. It's going to be a, a really great show. I, I do want to mention some of the upcoming guests that we have coming for the month of December. Uh, December 9th, uh, next Sunday, we'll be speaking with a gentleman by the name of Jason Villobus, and he is from California. He will be sharing his story. Um, and then on the 16th, we'll be speaking with our good friend Ken Warnock, who um, I got to meet at the International AIDS Conference this year. He's a, a Paz Iamer, and uh, I'm excited to have him on the show. Um, it's long overdue to, to have him come on and share his story. And then we will actually be taking off on the 23rd of December, um, that Sunday before Christmas. Um, everybody's going to be doing last-minute shopping, and it would just kind of be, I, I think, a, a low-attended show. So we're going to take off on the 23rd, and then we will return on the 30th of December with my personal friend, um, James Brennig, uh, who is actually a friend of mine who lives here in Philadelphia, or in Jersey, actually. So uh, I'm excited to have him on as well. We will um, be talking about World AIDS Day when Justin and Philip come on, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was this World AIDS Day, um, I was actually – asked to be a part of a, I guess it was a 24-hour film project called uh, The Faces of AIDS, and it is put on by uh, Edge on the Net. And I'm actually going to put the um, URL in the chat room here. And what it is, it's a really cool thing, and this is actually where I got Jason Belobis, who's going to be on next week. Um, he participated in this um, campaign last year called uh, The Faces of AIDS. And what it is is every hour on World AIDS Day starting at 12 a.m., um, they release somebody who is either living with HIV or, or it works in the HIV-AIDS community. And myself was involved, and uh, my friend Jane Brenning, who you will actually be hearing his story on the 30th of this month, um, shared his story on it. Um, and what it seems to do is I am actually the last person who um, is released. So my I am the 11 p.m. So tonight if you're on at 11 p.m. and you go to that link, you'll be able to um, hear my video there. Um, what has happened is the website has reset itself, so it seems like it should still be up, but they keep going back to, um, like this morning when it, when, it, when it went live again, it went back to releasing one every hour. So I don't know how long that will be up, but um, eventually it will be replaced, um, and we will be up there permanently so you can check that out. But, again, I will be up again at 11 um, this evening, but you can check that out at the bottom of the screen on that URL, uh, edge on the net. Dot com under their HIV AIDS uh, featured section. Um, I also want to talk about um, some things that I've done um, over the past World AIDS Day. I know there's a lot of events that go on, but here in Philadelphia there really isn't um, that many things going on. Last year I got to speak at um, one of the universities here in Philly with a friend, Stephen, of mine, and, you know, it was a great experience. And, and this year there really wasn't a, a, lot, of, a lot of talk about it. Um, there is one event that's put on every year at Broad Street Ministries here in Philadelphia um, by the Philadelphia AIDS Fund, and it's basically a collaboration of all the local ASOs come together and they set up tables. There's a free dinner. Um, I believe two years ago, Jack McEnroth came um, and actually um, shared his story there, and it's just a great place to get tested, get information, and it's always a good time. So. Um, if there's something that you did specifically, you can go ahead and put it in the chat room and let me know um, uh, about some events that you've had. Um, another thing I wanted to mention about before we bring our guests on tonight is if you are in Philadelphia or ever come to visit Philadelphia, there's actually an organization called Philadelphia Fight, and their website is fight.org. And one of the cool things about them is actually where I go for my um, my healthcare and where I go to the doctors there and, and to get my medication. They actually have an AIDS library. And this is something that I've never heard of before. I don't know if other cities or, or other states do this or other aid service organizations, but it's an actual library inside Philadelphia Fight that is all about HIV and AIDS. So all the books in there are on the topics of HIV and AIDS, um, and there's DVDs, because you know how hard it is to find DVDs or books, you know, on the subject. When I go to Barnes & Nobles or any other kind of bookstore, there's like four books on the subject, and one's the band played on, which is too friggin' long for me to read. 
Um, and there's hardly any movies or DVDs. You have to really dig in deep to find them. Um, they're not in the specific section. So if you ever come to Philly, this Philadelphia AIDS library is amazing, and you can, you know, rent things out for up to two weeks. And the DVDs there are awesome. And I have to say that yesterday on World AIDS Day, I, I got up and I, I turned the TV on, and I believe I turned on MTV, and it was great to see a familiar face. I got to see um, Angelica DeMonica, who was actually on our show, and she did a series um, called Me, Myself, and HIV. And she actually came on the show and shared her story two years ago when that was first released. And uh, it was just really awesome. So if that's something that you can search on your DVR, Me, Myself, and HIV, it's a really cool, interesting uh, look at HIV today and, and what it affects. Um, one of the other topics I wanted to briefly speak on before our guests come on, because I see them on hold, is that if you are not um, familiar with this, Ricky Martin came out yesterday letting the world know, because some people still live under a rock, that HIV is not a gay disease. Um, he took a break from his busy schedule on Broadway to chat with the Huffington Post yesterday, and he wanted to, to let people know that it's really sad when people say, yeah, it's an issue for gays, because it's not only the gay community that's struggling with AIDS, he says. It's heterosexual men, women, and children. For many years, he said he raised awareness quietly, and he had this he had this conception that people might think that he was doing it for recognition until he decided to talk to real activists who told him, and I quote, dude, you need to talk about this because people listen when you speak. So kudos for Ricky Martin for um, putting himself out there and letting people know that this is not just a gay disease. People need to wake up. So um, please, let's see, I have our guest here. So let's take a quick break, and then I will bring the guest on in about 30 seconds. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. And we are back. Please help me uh, welcome our guest this evening, Justin B. Terry Smith and Philip B. Terry Smith. How are you doing, guys? Good. How are you? Hey, Robert. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad to have you both with me, Justin. It's always a pleasure, but it's nice to have your husband this time. Thank you. <laughs> so so let's, um, let's first talk about what you guys, um, what did you guys do yesterday in, in, in honor of World AIDS Day? Anything specific? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I can say that what I usually do every World AIDS Day is that I, what I literally do is I literally break out the pictures of all of my friends that have passed away, or like I try to find pictures online with them, and I kind of just take a moment and look, and just take a moment to remember the friendship that we had, and you know, take I take a moment to just reminisce on, you know, the good times that we had and, you know, some of the bad times too. Um, but, you know, you know, and also yesterday um, I was surprised to get a call from Fox 5 of all channels. And, <laughs> um, yeah. And um, they were saying, well, I mean, actually the Fox 5 channels, that, the Fox 5 local channel that we have here in the DC area is actually really, really liberal. So when they called me and said, would you like to go live? at 6.13 p.m. live, as in, like, whatever you say is going to be said. There's no edit button. There's no nothing. So that's kind of scared me a little bit. But I went on to talk about basically why in this area African-American women are, you know, disproportionately affected by HIV and, you know, what is the problem, is outreach the problem, is funding the problem. So basically I did an interview with the Fox 5 News Channel people here. And uh, well, for me, cool. I was actually uh, I was actually teaching up in Philadelphia, Robert. I, I teach at uh, Lincoln University in a Master of Human Services program. So um, we took a moment um, during each of my classes yesterday to, to talk a little bit about HIV, HIV awareness, uh, and just a moment to remember. That's cool. What university did you say you teach at? Uh, Lincoln University. Uh, the graduate campus is uh, right down across from 30th Street Station. Oh, wow. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, is that every day you're up here in Philly? Uh, every Saturday. Oh, okay, so Saturdays you do that commute. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a pretty big commute to do it's every day. It better not be every day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
So, so Justin, let's let's talk about. Um, let's start with with you. Some people may have heard your story on the show before, but I want to get a little bit of uh, a little back history of you know your um, HIV diagnosis, how long you've been living with it, and and, and how that was for you. Okay. Um, well, in 2005, I was infected with the HIV virus. I, I I didn't know it at that time, and then in 2006, I started getting sick, and I you know literally woke up out of my bed and threw up five times, you know, and, you know, I had no idea what was going on with me. So I decided, I was like, I need to go get tested. I need, something's wrong and I don't know what it is and it's scaring the heck out of me. So I went to go get tested and um, lo and behold, of course, it said, you know, I was, I was HIV positive and I was depressed for a long time. And at, at that time when I found out that I was HIV positive, I started drinking a heck of a lot and like I actually started doing drugs. And then I met someone that um, I started dating, and he said, I need to see your apartment. And I didn't want to, and he made me. And then he saw my apartment. There was literally, like, dishes in the dishwasher, like, dirty dishes, caked, like, with food in between. There was clothes all over my floor. (laughs) My bathroom was not clean. Nothing was clean. I literally, like, you know, lost electricity in my house. My phone was cut off. My cable was cut off. All these other things were, you know, showing, you know, symptoms and signs that, you know, depression had hit me. And the person, he actually came up to my apartment and said, give me a hug, and I need you to let it out. And I didn't quite understand at the moment what he meant, but I did. And I literally cried my eyes out, and I let it out, and that's when I began to live and actually live my life for me um, because it allowed me to actually start caring about my own health and actually started started making me love myself more and not go down the spiral of depression and, you know, devastation. And that person later became my husband. Ah, interesting. So that's actually how you guys met. Well, let me, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, let me have Philip tell me. Philip, tell me how you guys met. Oh, dear. So, um, the PG version. Well, we, we, we actually met. Uh, we actually met at a at a bar in D.C. Uh, we're both uh, uh, active in in the local uh, gay and lesbian and leather community, and and my uh, leather club was holding an event uh, at the D.C. Eagle, and I was working uh, the fundraising uh, beer bar, and this uh, little spry bouncy thing came bouncing in one night, and you know, next thing I know, I'm visiting him at his apartment, and three years later, we're married. So, so what did you think when you went into his apartment and it was like he was living, I guess, like a frat boy? Um, well, I, you know, we had had some conversations, and I, I knew that, that he was uh, positive and that he wasn't uh, wasn't dealing real well with it. And, you know, so for for me, part of, of living healthy is having a healthy environment. And, and your environment is, I think, the first key to both your physical and mental health. So for me, it was right. like, well, we got to get you out of the slump, dude, and, and we're, you're not going to live well if you're in this slump. So let's do something. Clean your damn apartment. Clean your apartment. <laughs> That's a step towards getting control of your life and saying that this thing isn't going to take control of me, that I can, I can live with and live well with this. Um, and, you know, I think that's really the key to living with any type of immunocompromised, man, whether it's, you know, I've got severe asthma and COPD and, and all kinds of things that are going on, and, you know, all of that is a part of who you are, and you can't let it control your life. I, I, I agree. So, Justin, how were you able to change that? For those who um, may be, you know, in the same boat, what did you do to kind of get out of that depression? Um, What I did was, I mean, actually, it all started when he held me and forced me to, to have a therapeutic cry, basically. And, you know, I kind of got... A lot of the, a lot of the anger and a lot of the, um, the, you know, you know, the being ashamed part of actually being HIV positive, and I said to myself that I can't live like this, and I, and I've never, ever in my life ever lived like this. I mean, this is not. When I looked around my apartment, I said, this is not, this is not the way my parents brought me up to live. There's no reason why I'm living this way other than to try to kill myself slowly. And so I basically just had to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, I've got to start living my life for me, and I cannot let this get me down and and virtually kill me. 
So what what made you create, um, you know, Justin's HIV Journal? That's probably, you know, how I was first introduced to you was on YouTube. Um, right. What was what made you create that that channel or, or blog? Well, I remember when I actually, it was 2008, I had been diagnosed for two years, and my body was dealing okay with it. Um, but of course, you know, with any illness, it, over time you're going to start you're going to start needing more medication or or even just medication in general. So when I when I went on meds, I went online and I said, okay, so I don't see any African American gay men or Black American gay men doing you know showing their life with HIV using YouTube using any kind of audio visual documentation. So um, and you know not 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 taking any, anything away from anybody else that's doing it, but I could not find one. And I've only found a couple of people, um, one who's actually passed, and I cannot remember his name for the life of me. He was a journalist, and he was journaling his life, writing it down, but not using YouTube because I don't think it was around when he was alive. So when I went on vacations, I, I, I said, I want to see the effects of this. I want to see if anybody can show me what might happen or what's happening to them. There's nobody I can relate to. So I said, okay, well, I have to do this because there's obviously a need here because I don't want the same thing to happen to another gay black man that finds out that, or any any person, period, that has found out that they're HIV positive and they have to take medication and they don't know what to do. So at this time you were with Philip, right? You guys were already together? Yeah, actually we were, I think, hmm. <laughs> when yes, you, when you we were living blog, together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were so, living so, together. Okay. <laughs> Just living? Yes. <laughs> so, Philip, so, um, what was it like when he decided to go public? What were your thoughts with that? Um, you know, it, it, it didn't really bother me. We, we had some conversations about being public and being open and, and what that meant and what it, most importantly what it meant for him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more sheltered with, with what's going on with my life and, and health and those sorts of things. Um, I don't hide anything, but it, I'm not quite as open in public as, as Justin is. Um, and it, so we had some discussion about what that would mean long term, whether there were implications, because we all know that there's lots of stigma around um, being HIV positive or, or having any, any health condition, quite frankly, that, that uh, folks don't really understand. Um, so I was concerned about that, concerned a little bit about what, what the impact would be on, on um, our potential for having a family and those sorts of things. Um, but I understood what he wanted to do and why he was doing it and, and supported him wholeheartedly with it. So, uh, have you faced any stigma from or backlash from his blog? Have you personally? No, actually I haven't. I mean, we we he's had some folks that have that have been less than positive in uh, their reaction on the blog, and we've kind of talked about that. And and I think at one point I actually uh, helped them write a response to not lash out at somebody because it was them emoting their own stuff. It had nothing to do with with his blog or what he was doing. It was truly all about their own um, uh, not uh, their own poor manner of dealing with, quite frankly, their own diagnosis or lack of understanding of their, their diagnosis. So I, I don't think I've had any real personal backlash. Um, I've had folks that have commented on it, but, you know, honestly, I didn't care. Right. So, Justin, have you had any kind of stigmatizing thing from going? Because, I mean, you're out there, out there. You're, I mean, out there more than I am. So explain. Like, oh, I doubt that. that. No, you are. <laughs> what are you talking about? Live yeah. television. <laughs> oh, God. Right? Live television frequently. <laughs> right? Gosh. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have not been – I can say that the stigma part I don't think plays a large role in me being out because I have not yet faced, I think, a big uh, – like discrimination or anything like, you know, you're dirty or, you know, something like that. But I mean, I've gotten little comments like that. But I've not had it, had it affect my life. Like it has not affected me professionally, mentally, emotionally, physically, nothing. But I will say that, you know, I do get comments on occasion, like, you know, somebody might say something ignorant. And I think ignorance is more or less what I'm more affected by because, 
that even leaves the window open for me to keep educating and keep them aware of exactly what HIV is. And it does not affect, like Ricky Martin said, it is not just a gay disease. So, you know, when when that comes up, I, I you know, sometimes jump on it, and sometimes my husband needs to hold me back. So, so, so it's like, hold me back, hold me back, <laughs> you know, but, you know, he's there for my balance and he actually being the, the Libra that he is, it really, really helps me in my Capricorn mentality when it comes to striving for the best, trying to be on top of that mountain as that mountain goat does for their career and professionally and personally. Right. I mean, I, I know I have a YouTube channel for the show here, and we, you know, I hardly ever post. I think the last video that I actually posted was my letter to HIV, Justice mm-hmm. for Your Campaign, and I check it every once in a blue moon, and I always go on there and have these, like, negative comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you have to get flooded with them as well, because you're on there mm-hmm. all the time posting videos where I'll be, I haven't been on there maybe in, like, two months, and I'll check it, and it'll be say something, call me, like, a dirty faggot. Or it'll yep. say something like that you get for putting your dick in an ass. You know what I mean? Or there's always some sort of comment. And do you respond to them or do you just delete it? Um, well, you know what? Honestly, I don't bother to – sometimes I just delete it. And sometimes when I hear an ignorant question, and it's not like, they're, it's not like they're, they want to be ignorant. It's not like they, they doing, they're doing it on purpose. I use that as a tool just to educate. But when I do get like a slanderous comment, like, um, oh, oh, and Maria, um, you know, our sister Maria in Florida can attest to this about getting these, because we both get them, these denialists that, you know, tend to comment on us all the time. And Uh so I kind of say, okay, I'm ignoring them because there's there's no way, rhyme or reason, that you can actually educate those people because they have their minds made up, and you know, and it's it's kind of hard to change someone's mind when it is in that type of mentality, and you know, they they want to call themselves dissidents, and I call them denialists. No, I, 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 I get them too, and it's always the same. I'm not going to mention their channel name, but it's always the same channel that um, leaves those questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's funny. So, um, okay, so so how long have you been together all, like, since the beginning that you guys been dating to until now? How long exactly has the whole? Almost seven years. Almost seven years. Now, what advice, Philip, would you give to, um, you know, a, another couple out there where, you know, one or, or possibly both, um, you know, of the partners are positive and they're, you know, about to enter something and they're looking for something serious. Like, what kind of advice would you give them to, to make it last longer? Honesty. Just yeah. to be honest, you know, and that's, that's the same advice I'd give to any, any couple or any, anyone going into a relationship. Honesty is, is the best way to go because the more honest and open you are with each other um, about anything that's going on with your health or mental health or family background, all of those types of things that, that we know come and haunt relationships, if you're honest and open, um, you have nothing to hide behind, and you can you can help each other out no matter what. How about you, Justin? Anything else other than honesty that makes you guys open work? Commu- open communication. Um, I think that I mean, as far as I have my associate's degree in communications, and like I I absolutely love it. And of course, <laughs> Phil will tell you that I love it sometimes too much. Um, <laughs> so. Um, but but I think that open communication with the one that you love, just being just being open about what you want, especially, and open about your desires and your dreams and exactly what you want to do with your life. I know couples that have been together for a lot of years, and that 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 later comes out about what exactly is not making them happy, and it's too late, and it's it, you know they're headed towards divorce court. It's really really sad. And sometimes I wish that, you know, I could just, I look at them and I say, you know what, I wish he or she would have been just been honest with him or her. And, you know, I wish that they would just, they would, I mean, she would just tell her or him exactly what they wanted in, in the first place. And this wouldn't have happened. Uh, one of the questions coming out of the chat room from our friend Janine, uh, she asked, have you ever been told to kill yourself? And she said she asks you that because she gets that as a regular comment on her videos on YouTube. Wait, she's asked what again? She's been on her YouTube channel. She gets a lot of comments on her videos that tell her to 
basically kill herself. Oh, my God. So she's wondering oh. if you ever get anything like that, and how would you respond to that? Oh, um, well, I mean, I've gotten, why don't she just commit suicide or, you know, I've gotten right. stupid things like that. I just ignore it because I think that when, and I know, I think I, I think I know the Janine that you're talking about. <laughs> I love yeah, her to Janine. Death. You know Janine. Yes, I love Janine. Um, listen up, girlfriend. Just do what you need to do. Do what you're doing. Stay strong. Don't worry about those little comments. Erase them and get them out of your mind. And then just keep living your life for you and keep living your life for your family. I mean, that's all you have to do. There you go. There's, I mean, actually, there's a. Um, I'm in the Pause I Am chat room now, and there's actually a comment here from, uh, let's see, Twista Lee is how I'm going to pronounce his name. Um, and he says, I think Justin and Robert were on the cover of the magazine in the doctor's office when I was first diagnosed about their digital <laughs> outreach and activism. <laughs> and I think that's yep. funny because, you know, that was like, for me, that was like the first time I was ever asked to be in any kind of magazine. You know what that I mean? Awesome. And of all the people, Justin, to do it with you, I thought it was really awesome. I know. I was like, yeah. holy crap, I get to do this with, with uh, Robert? I was like, oh, awesome. And then it was funny because I had to share this with you now since you brought it up. My okay. cousin, um, Peter, actually saw the cover, and he goes, oh, oh, is this your husband? He's hot. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I get asked, um, I was asked when I would first show that to people if this was my boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, um, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> oh my gosh! But Philip, what was your thought when he was on the cover of that? Because Justin, was that the first time that you were in one of those magazines? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. You know, I believe that he was talking to me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, he said, "Philip, what was your re- reaction?" I, oh, that's right. He was. He was yes, asking I did say. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, well, so honestly, Robert, it, it it was actually great. I mean, it was an acknowledgement of of the work that Justin's been doing, and, and quite frankly, the work that you've been doing. And um, I thought it was kind of cool that um, the magazine chose to one highlight two young men that were were uh, living with HIV and doing something very positive um, with their outreach to others um, that may be infected or affected with HIV. So I thought it was actually awesome. Um, you know, we. We tend to be poster kids around here. <laughs> We're always on the cover and a picture of something in a magazine. I don't know what it is, but um, so I thought it was kind of cool that you guys made it on the cover. And I, I remember I was I was um, the CEO of a, a home reduction program at the time, uh, and my staff came running in. Isn't this your husband? Isn't this your husband? So I went, yep, that's him. <laughs> yeah, and so my other cousin actually works in a in Baltimore for a home of for youth and the HRU Plus magazine is there, and he, like, looked over, and he was like, is that my cousin? <laughs> <laughs> that was a great I write-up. That's been, like, two years. Yeah, that's been, I think that was, that's been, like, two years, because I think that was when I was Mr. Marilyn Leather, 2010. I think that's... Yeah, oh, yeah. 2008, 2000, uh, 2009, 2010, that came out, because I was still running the um, harm reduction program. Right. So tell us a little bit about that, Philip. What, what were you doing for the harm reduction program? Um, yeah, I take, took over an organization called Prevention Works. It was a syringe exchange program in D.C., um, and I, I did that for about three years until uh, my health, both physical and mental health, took, got the best of me, and I needed to step away from that work for a while. Um, that was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I had not worked with a uh, syringe exchange program before. I've done lots of organization work and um, organizational development, but I hadn't worked with that particular um, segment of the population. Um, so it was kind of cool. Um, I, lots of things I would have done differently, um, including uh, considering whether or not I would have accepted the position to begin with. But, um, <laughs> it, you know, it was fun working um, with folks, many of whom were, were HIV positive or were uh, suffering from, uh, you know, another health condition as a result of, of um, past behaviors or just lifestyle, um, you know, these lifestyle diseases that we talk about all the time. Um, and it was just cool, you know, working really with a segment of, the, of, of D.C.'s population that was the most disenfranchised, you know, IV drug users and uh, transgender women and, you know, folks that other folks just didn't want to work with. And my team, the, the, the paid and volunteer staff that I had, they were just amazing human beings that, 
you know, made the best out of their own lives to be able to help and, and contribute to making other people's lives better. And, you know, in fact, we still stay in touch with, with lots of those folks. I just got a phone call yesterday um, from one of the staff members that saw Justin on, on the Channel 5 program and was just all excited that, you know, Justin was, was the spokesperson, if you will, on uh, World AIDS Day on, on uh, the local news station. So just a lot of cool, it was cool, it was cool work. You know, syringe exchange programs are vital programs to combating the spread of HIV and other uh, diseases, and it was just fun to be a part of that for, you know, a two- or three-year period. That's pretty awesome. So so let's move on um, quickly because, believe it or not, we only have 25 minutes left. But let's talk a little bit about oh. what, what it was like getting married. Explain that situation <laughs> and, and, and how that was. Who proposed to who? How did it come about? Well, <laughs> I, well we I actually huge, proposed. Huh? I, I actually proposed to Justin uh, in uh, January. It was one of those one of those when we were at an event and uh, we had had a bit of a tiff the, the night before, uh, and uh, it was one of those moments when being open and honest just uh, worked for us really well. Justin, you want to tell the rest of the story? Um, yeah, we got into a huge fight, and it was like you know, I'm not going to say a tiff. I'm going to say a huge fight. So, or I'm sorry, an argument. So, so, but, but we talked about it and, you know, after the argument, you know, I felt really good. And I said, you know, I said, this is, this feels good. This actually feels like a real relationship to where the communication is open and I can say, okay, this is what happened. This is how I feel about it. How do you feel about it? And so at the end of the fight, you know, we just kind of basically cuddled in bed. And so then after that, you know, he's like, are you my baby? And I'm like, yeah, I'm your baby. He's like, are you my man? I'm like, yeah, I'm your man. He's like, would you like to be my husband? And I said, what? <laughs> and I kind of just like, oh, and I looked at my clock and I said, well, I don't have anything else to do. So fine, whatever. Sure. <laughs> no, not at all. I literally started bawling and I said, yes, I would love to be your husband. Oh, that's cute. Oh, so when did you get married and what was it like to walk down the aisle, Philip? Well, we got married uh, in August of 2009. Uh, what was the exact date, Justin? August 7th. Very good. August 7th, 2009, 3 p.m., by the way. Uh, and it was, like, <laughs> it was on the beach in, in Provincetown, Massachusetts. And we sort of eloped. It was, it was somewhat planned. We, we uh, knew that we were going to get our license while we were up there, but we, we really hadn't mapped out um, that we would do the ceremony, whether or not we would go back up later to do the ceremony. So, you know, we eloped, and we didn't have any real plans with it. I just contacted a, a minister that I knew up there, a, you know, a chaplain that I knew up there, and we got the license on Monday when we arrived in town and had the ceremony the following Friday. And we were fortunate that two good friends, um, Mindy and, and Mary, uh, Mindy and her wife Mary were, were in town and were able to witness for us, and we just kind of hung out on the beach there at, behind the church and had a nice little pagan wedding. I think that's awesome. That just gives me like hope, you know, that one day, and I'm sure the people listening who are either positive or negative and who are, are gay men to, to have that experience because we all want that experience to get married and find the person that we're supposed to be with for the rest of our lives. So to hear your fairy tale story, um, it's it's sweet, and I think it's something that really you know inspires other people to not let go of looking for love. Yeah, um, absolutely. So just recently, you guys have became foster parents. Um, Justin, tell us a little bit about that. Oh wow. Um, well, I think I think when when Philip proposed to me, and I, I said yes, I, I you know I, I said, well, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> with you saying yes, there's certain things that we have to talk about, and I said there's one thing that I is a deal breaker for me, and I said that's about kids, and I said I want to have kids, I want children. And he said, okay, well, let me think about it. And he thought about it. And I, it was in San Francisco when we were picking up the wedding bands, I believe, but it was um, at brunch. Mm-hmm. He looked over at me at the table and our waiter was, our server was uh, coming by and he said, I would love to have kids with you, or raise kids with you. And I lost it <laughs> at the table. I started crying. And the server was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Totally okay. <laughs> but yeah, so um so yeah, we um we actually um had decided that we were going to pursue it and through the state and not through an agency. So um because we figured that there are lots of kids out there that need homes that we should we don't have to go through an agency to, to do that. 
So, um, and um, so we, after 24 hours of training, um, we actually were approved um, after a home study, which means they have to come to your house and inspect it for safety reasons. Um, right. Then the fire marshal has to come by and make sure that he'll tell you exactly how many kids you can have based on the space that you have in your house. Um, then you have to go through a physical, which I thought I, at first I was scared because, you know, I'm positive. So I thought that you know, maybe that would have something to do with us being able to foster or adopt children. And it didn't. It had nothing to do with it. So they were okay with it. So it was fine. They said, as long as you're undetectable, you're okay, basically. Um, so um, what I had to do was, um, you know, we had to um, go through all those channels it, the day that we were approved for foster care, not 20 minutes later, we got a call about an LGBT youth. 20 wow. minutes. And, so, and what, we, was, what was that like when, let me just ask Philip, Philip, what was that like when you guys got the call? You know, it was, it was actually kind of cool. We we went up and we, we met the, the young man, um, I guess about a week or so before our actual approval. And, I mean, we, we actually scheduled a, a special meeting that day with, with the social worker that was working with us to, to get the approval done because it was pretty clear that the, that the young man was going to uh, be discharged from the place he was at and needed a place. Um, and so it was, you know, it was kind of an awesome experience because we met him. He was a, a really neat kid. Um, and uh, when we got the call that we were approved, literally 6 that morning, um, I picked him up at like 10 o'clock, <laughs> between 10 and 1 that afternoon. Um, and he's been with us ever since. So, you know, it was kind of a cool experience to, to go through the entire process of the approval. It was nerve-wracking. Um, you know, we weren't sure whether um, health conditions would, would would knock us out of the loop or anything, but um, it, it was also an exciting proposition. We weren't quite ready for a teenager. Um, we were, you know, the house was set. We have baby gates everywhere and, you know, plug outlet covers and things like that. Um, so it was a bit of a adjustment um, to have uh, a, a team in the house, but honestly, it's been an amazing, amazing experience. And I think for me, um, the, the whole process has been that things are possible. You know, having uh, HIV or, or any health condition is not the end of it, man. There's so many things that you can do if you're living healthy and you're living well. Uh, and for me, this was kind of the, the capstone on that. It's like, yeah, you know, we actually can raise a kid. Wow. That's awesome. I have a question coming out of the POSIM chat room, um, and it says, uh, Justin, has your HIV status affected your parenting, um, especially applying to being a foster parent or adoptive parent? Um, well, I can say, again, that, you know, I was worried. You know, I was like, okay, this can't be. I, I, I With me and, you, Robert, you know how tenacious and aggressive I can be and assertive. I, I was like, this will not stop me. You know, and I always had I always had that kind of mentality, especially when I got out of my depression. I said, this is not going to stop me. Nothing is going to stop me from doing what I need to do and fulfill my dreams. Nothing will stop me. And I said to myself, I'm like, okay, so this better not be the end all say all because <laughs> I will go through avenues. <laughs> I will find someone. Like, you know, um, it didn't affect me, but as, as a parent, when I'm parenting, my HIV status is not in the, even in my head. My main goal is to make sure that that young man turns into a a, a good, a, a just a, a good man. Period. I mean, he he is such a beautiful young man, and you know, such a beautiful spirit and such a beautiful soul. He just amazes me every day. Um, but you know, I will say that the stress level of having a teenager when when they when they first come into your care I will say this I and Phil will tell you this I was stressed out as all hell because I because I you know I'm in graduate school and you know I'm also doing other things but you know with the, the child you know he's adjusting as well you have to also take that in consideration that he's adjusting or she's adjusting when they come into your care this is a whole new house this is new parents this is new school you know, they're adjusting. And, you know, the, sometimes the best way that teenagers know how to adjust is to act out. And that's when you have to stop them immediately, right when they start acting out. So I think that the stress level, um, I will say for me, really rose. But I think that as my child did a whole 180, which he has done, 
and I'm, you know, I'm not getting calls from the school anymore. I'm not getting emails from, from teachers anymore about his behavior. He's turning right. in homework. He's actually doing well on his test. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he's blossoming, and he's, he's really realizing that there's a whole other life that he could lead if he stays focused. You know, Robert, the, the, the cool thing through the whole process is that the HIV was a non-issue. It was an absolute non-issue that, that you know, once the, the physician certified that, you know, health was good and stable, it became a non-issue. Um, and, and I think right. that's what folks need to know, that, it you know, having HIV is, is, is not the thing it was even 10 years ago. And, and it, it shouldn't dampen your, your ambition. It shouldn't dampen your goals, your aspirations, the things you want to do in life. Live healthy and do it. Just do it. Just do it, like Nike says. So real quick, I just want to open up the phone lines. If anybody has a question or a comment for Justin and Phil, you can give us a call here at 347-215-9442. We have a few people who are online listening. If you have a question, just press the one button, and it will put you in the queue so I know that you uh, have a question. Um, Let's see. One of the other things I wanted to uh, ask you about, um, did you – first of all, is he in high school or is he still in, like, middle school? High school. Okay, so he's in high school. Now, did you have the conversation about HIV with him, and how did that go about? Um, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I guess, actually, Phil, you can answer this, because you were the one, I think, that kind of bought that. (laughs) Yeah, we've we've actually talked about it quite a bit, about whether or not he's been tested, and about getting regular testing, and and about practicing safe sex. Justin doesn't want to have the conversations about sex with him. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I do. And you know what? No, <laughs> he's not going to have it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Right. I'm joking. And, <laughs> and, you know, but we all know otherwise, right? And we already knew right. that he was sexually active when he came to us. So, right. you know, just, again, honesty and openness, right? Conversations about safe practices, conversations about taking care of yourselves, conversations about regular testing. Um, we're blessed in that we found an awesome physician for him uh, that he has a great relationship with and, and has trust with her so he can have conversations with her. Um, you know, for me, it's it's about taking care of your regular health care, um, and I'll be glad when we get to the point where HIV becomes a regular routine part of health care testing. You know, like they check me for high blood pressure, and they check me for diabetes every time I go to the physician. They should also check us for HIV. Um, and, you know, I think we're getting there um, so that it becomes kind of less of an issue for parents to have that conversation. Um, we were cool to have a kid that really sort of understood that. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's like he found the right parents, like it was all meant to be. Oh, right. you have no idea, Robert. I'm telling right. you, it, 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 things fell into place like you wouldn't believe. Clearly, the stars aligned for, for all of that to take place for us. Yep. Wow. Wow, that's totally it's totally crazy. So, so, Justin, one of the things you wanted to talk about is, is how difficult is it with disciplining a teenager? Um, <laughs> I will say one thing. Like, <laughs> I will say one thing. It's like... You know, when you go into foster care training, they tell you there's certain things that you cannot do. There's certain you cannot put your hands on the child. You cannot, you cannot. You know, they tell you not to look the child in the in the eyes, and you tell the you know they say don't look them in the eye or don't make them look you in the eye because a lot of kids, when they're in foster care, their parent some of the, some of their abu- if their abusive parent made them do that, um, and they they were expecting to get smacked after that. Because that's what a lot of abusive parents do. They make them look them in the eye, and then they hit them. So um, with me, um, I make sure that whenever I'm talking to him or disciplining him, I'm not at a close distance. Right. I'm not at a close distance. I can't, like, my arms cannot reach you at this t- at this point in time. But I, but I do make him look me in the eye to, right. to see how serious I am. And between Phil and I, I, would, uh, I think that the, the, the consensus is that I'm the disciplinarian. So, so when no, you know he's, he's in he's trouble, he doesn't. Huh? <laughs> You're the punisher. <laughs> no, I'm the disciplinarian. <laughs> so anyway, like I was saying, because you know Phil's a big old teddy bear. So, <laughs> so he doesn't. So it's so funny. So what happens is that the child won't necessarily tell me something. He'll tell Phil more or less than he'll tell me, but it'll come out later, and you know he'll. Has Phil with him when he tells me sometimes. He'll say, oh, well, you know, we had a little problem at school today. And say, oh, really? What happened? And, you know, 
And Sylvie with him was like, well, we took care of it. This is what we're going to do. And Are you okay with this if we go through disciplinary action this way? And I'm like, um, yeah, I'm okay with it. Not a problem. But, I mean, at first it used to stress me out about, you know, getting phone calls from the school and having to, like, go down to the school. But now he has done a total 180 because I think that once you – once you give a child structure, once you tell, once once they know that you care, that you actually care about them, the reason why you discipline them is because you want to make sure that they are acting right and they're not going to take these habits into adulthood. They understand that and they say they they actually react to that in a positive way. So I think that I remember one time I actually came off too harsh and so it was like, um, hmm, Justin. I was like, yes. <laughs> he was like, can we talk in the bedroom? Sure. So he was right. Did he make you look you in the eye? Actually, yeah, I did. <laughs> I always I always make him look me in the eye. <laughs> no, but, I said that Phil make you look in his eyes when he was talking <laughs> to you in the bedroom. <laughs> he always makes me look him in the eye. So, <laughs> but you know, you know, you just have to make sure that you, they know that you care, and that's that's basically the main the main thing is make sure that they know that you they are loved. And once they do, once they know that, they're, they're going to be fine. I think that's awesome. You know, I just got to give you both kudos and say congratulations because for me, I mean, you're living the dream that every every guy, you know, gay guy sitting here listening or who will listen or you know on this planet, all all want. They all want the, the marriage and 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 you know the house and the the, the relationship that's. Not always perfect, but seems to get through it all the time. You know, whenever there's an issue, you talk about it, you're open, you're honest. And it's a dream that, you know, everybody wants in, in, in a relationship. And it's just nice that you guys are so down to earth and so, you know, because you could be so stuck up and, you know, and just, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just so nice that you guys are, are just so down to earth and so real. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it, it's how you talk to somebody. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is important. Yeah, and it's kind of, I understand that because some of our activist friends, it's kind of like, ooh, no, 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 come back, come back to the fold, it's okay. Sometimes yeah, no, right? gets, <laughs> our head explodes, sometimes our head gets big, and it's like, no, 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 come back, come back, it's okay, yeah. it's okay. You're an ordinary person, just like us. <laughs> so, so what is it like to be, see, because this is something, I'm not real familiar with the leather community and some of the people who may be listening may not. But since mm-hmm. you both are somewhat active in the community, can you tell us a little bit about how is HIV in that community? Is it talked about more? Is it something that you see that's common within the community? Like, how has it gone through that? So you can talk about that. I, you know, I don't know, again, as you said, how familiar folks are with the history, but back in the in the early days when HIV and AIDS, quite frankly, started ravishing the gay community, it was really the leather community that, that stood up and did fundraisers and continue to do fundraisers today to support um, programs that, that work with folks that are HIV positive. Um, it took, like like all of the gay community, it took a heavy toll um, in the early years of, of the uh, epidemic, um, and we lost a lot of people um, and a lot of good friends, um, frankly. Um, so. You know, there's there's always been sort of this open, um, honest dealing with uh, HIV. Um, in in the D.C. area, we have a, a organization called Brother Help Thyself, which is a was started by the uh, gay leather clubs um, that basically became a community trust. It became a charity fund that raised money to donate to small HIV AIDS organizations around the, the Baltimore Washington area. Um, so I think the leather community has always been open and honest and, and upfront and, and um, really at the forefront of how uh, a community can and did deal with uh, a health crisis like AIDS. Wow. See, you learn something new every day. Look <laughs> <laughs> like at history. I didn't know. You know, you uh, when you're not involved in a certain thing, you know, you don't. Yeah. You don't really know. Yeah, well, so you it, know. It's good to know. You know, it was really the honestly, Robert. Before the federal government started putting money into um, programs to to work with people who were at the time dying of AIDS, it was the Mm -hmm. the leather community and it was the drag queens. And the drag queen, yeah, really took care of people. Wow, that's that's incredible. I mean, I think it's great that you guys are, 
you know, involved in that and, and you stay connected to the roots. And it's important because, you know, this, this story needs to be told. People need to know because, like I said, I'm ignorant to it, so I'm not really familiar. And the younger generation probably just looks at the letter as a fantasy and not realizing the history. And the history yeah. of it is what's, I think, important and needs to be remembered. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Justin, since you're here, we have a couple more minutes. I'm going to let you plug yourself like crazy. Um, tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about the book that you have out that um you know I have a secret. Tell me about that. Well, it's about a little boy who's a sixth grader. His name is Jay, and he's HIV positive. And um, you know, the book is about him either concealing or being open about his status, and about the decision that he makes that really affects him and everybody around him. At the end of the book, it's got a um, I love I kind of love the ending that I came up with. Um, and I think that everybody else will love it too, but I do have some some bad news on top of that, but also some good news. So my publisher actually terminated our contract because our publisher actually folded his business, and he you know he he does he cannot produce any more books. I have copies in my possession, um, but here's the thing. So it's kind of funny, you know, the way karma works. That uh, the same week that my publisher um, kind of terminated our contract, and on an amicable. Let me just make sure that's, <laughs> that's said on an amicable um, wavelength. My husband and I opened up our own publishing company called Marcy Creek Product, uh, Publications. So um, what I'm going to do, what we're going to do is um, actually buy the um, ICBM number, ISBN number, and um, go ahead and reprint. But um, that's going to take a little while. But um, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. Well, that's good to know because when I go to write my book, I know whose door I'm going to be knocking on. Absolutely. Hello. <laughs> um, Hello, Robert. Then, <laughs> it's good to have friends in high places. Um, another thing I want to ask you about is tell us about the, the, the Write a Letter to HIV campaign. Are you still doing that? Are people still sending you letters? Well, I mean, we did get some letters, um, but, you know, I think that it had a really high – I mean, literally when it first started, it literally yeah. skyrocketed. Like, I mean, there, we got, like, literally five emails a day like in the videos or people did YouTube links and, you know, all that. Um, and a lot of people, you know, came on board with it. But, like, the thing is, um, you know, as, you know, as campaigns go, you know, campaigns do not last supposedly a very long time, depending on if you have funding, depending on how you are able to market it. So since it was a vir <clears throat> virtual free, um, you know, thing, but not everybody has YouTube. Not everybody is, is able to put their face or able to even write a letter. Sometimes it's too painful. Um, but yes, it is still actually an operation. Um, write a letter to HIV. You can actually go to thebody.com and actually um, look it up there. And that's where it started. Now, if you go to my website, www.justinbsmith.com, you'll actually see a tab that says write a letter to HIV. And you can actually see people's faces that actually have joined this campaign and um, different videos, like Robert, you're on there, um, Jack McEnroth, um, Aaron, excuse me, Laxton is on there as well. Um, you know, a, a lot of good people are on this, and, and, and thank you for supporting me in my campaign, Robert, and everybody else that can hear my voice that it has supported me and my husband. We definitely deeply appreciate it. Oh, you know we love you here at the show. So I, my last question is for Phil. This is actually tweeted to me. What is it like dating, or I'm sorry, not dating, what is it like to be married to crazy Justin B. Smith? Choose your words wisely, my dear, because they might be a lot. It helps that I'm a social psychologist with a clinical license, and I'll just leave oh, it at that. Oh, <laughs> answer. Good answer. Well, guys, I, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It was the hour flew by, and I can't wait to see you when we're we're down in either D.C. or or at a conference. I, we have to do dinner or something the next time that I'm, I'm in the area. Definitely, definitely. And I just want to say one thing. I'm sorry. I just want to say one thing to my husband. Good night, honey. I love you. And tell her and give our son my love, please. I will, honey. Oh, yeah, he's, he's away at a training, so we're we're both talking remotely. I love you, baby, and you be safe. I will love you. Thanks, love you. guys. You guys have a great night. Bye, Bye Robert. Robert. Bye. And you guys can find more information on uh, Justin B. Terry Smith by going to www.justinbsmith.com. He also blogs for thebody.com, and you can also find him on the Pause I Am Social Network. I want to thank you all for tuning in for this fabulous show with uh, Justin B. and Philip B. Terry Smith. What a great couple. What
amazing people, um, great friends as well. So um, visit them on Facebook. Also, um, next week we will be speaking um, with Jason Velobis from California, who will be sharing his story um, with HIV. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll return next week with Jeremy Dunn and myself. Have a great evening. Thank you all for tuning in. What's going on out here? We got changes to make. It's time to wake up for humanity's sake. Break the silence today before it's too late. AIDS is affecting us, disrespecting us. I'ma go get tested. It's a simple maneuver. It's not about the past. It's about my future. I'm not trying to miss it. I won't be a statistic, so I protect myself whenever I'm intimate. At this moment, I decided to have a plan. It's time to take a stand, because AIDS I'm greater than. This is senior.